You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. We'll go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 16, the Gospel of Matthew, and we will dismiss the junior church for those that like to go. So again, if you get socks and think, well, we need to get them more than that, just get them more than that. So, uh, all right. Matthew 16. I got a question for you this morning. What is your most valuable possession? What is your most valuable possession? If you had to think about it today, what would you say is the most valuable thing you possess? And you may, uh, you may think, well, I don't own anything very valuable. You know, we own things, uh, value can have different standards, doesn't it? Some things we have that are worth sentimental value. I've got a an old 3040 Craig Jennison that was my uh, great-great-grandfather's. Uh, it's, it's hardly worth anything because he sawed the stock off of it, you know, because he brought it home from the war and turned it into a hunting gun. Uh, I'd probably get $100, $200 for that thing. But I'd never take that because it's worth more than that. There are some things that have sentimental value, and uh, others are uh, rated a little bit higher than that. But what I'd like to submit to you today that the most valuable thing that you possess is your soul. Your soul. In fact, in Matthew 16, verse 26, listen to what Jesus said. He says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, I said just a moment ago that your soul is the most uh, valuable thing that you possess, but in truth today, you don't really possess a soul, you are a soul. We often think of ourselves as a body with a soul, but really, our soul is who you actually are, and then our soul has a body. And, of course, because of us living more by things we see, I suppose, we spend more time, a lot more time, pampering our bodies and neglecting our souls oftentimes, when we probably should be taking more care to our souls uh, than we would with our bodies today. Jesus said in this text that what is it profited a man if he shall gain the whole world? And so what Jesus is telling us there is that one soul, Today I'm preaching about the value of one. One soul is worth more than the whole world. You know, a number of years ago, I proposed to my wife, Melanie. I'm thinking about a body and a soul. I proposed to my wife, Melanie. And when I did, I uh, come up to her and had a, had a beautiful little box little velvet box and uh, I believe I, I saw one recently to where they're making them different man you pop the box open and there's a little light that shines down on the ring when you pop it open uh, but the black velvet just a beautiful box you know I mean just a lovely thing anybody ever get a box you just hate to throw away like man I could reuse this surely it's too nice to throw away but can you imagine a young man proposing to a young woman and her taking that box and uh, uh, opening it up and taking the ring and setting it aside and just saying, wow, what a lovely box. Thank you, dear. Uh, you know, but that's kind of the equivalent there because when we look at the body, we, 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 we misunderstand sometimes that the soul is worth so much more. 
And I'm going to move this before I fall over it. Okay, there we go. Um, but uh, well, that's not helping. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, but uh, a soul. And so, so real quickly today, I want to just give you a few points about the soul today from the Word of God. The first point I want to make about the soul is the fabulous treasure that is our soul. You ever thought about what makes something valuable? What is it that makes something valuable anyway? The first thing I'll say, I want to give you five things quickly about what makes something valuable. The first thing is creativity. In other words, who made it? Who made it? Uh, any art lovers in here today? Love art, love paintings and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm an art lover, but I'm definitely an art liker. Um, but I like art. But have you ever seen some art? Have you ever seen some abstract art that you just thought to yourself, man, my three-year-old could do that? Uh, you know, I mean, th th there's paintings. Uh, I I'm thinking of one. I can't remember the artist, but pretty much it's just, it's just an entire canvas painted red. And it's worth a lot of money. Do you know why a Picasso, and I'm not discounting the work of Picasso or, or other abstract artists, uh, maybe Jackson Pollock, but, uh, but uh, I'm just trying to say, do you know what makes these things valuable? Even though I could go, feel, I, I could do something I feel like is on the same level, it's the creator. It's the name on the bottom of it that can make a piece of work worth millions of dollars. Some works of art are priceless. And it's because of the creativity. It's the one who made it. There's a very important thing that God says about you as a human being. It started with Adam, but this, this uh, relates and uh, goes with each and every one of us. The Bible says in Genesis 2 verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and listen to this, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. What makes you so valuable is the signature upon your soul. The signature upon your existence. You were created by God Almighty. So the, having the Creator stamp upon you, signature upon you. I love what the Bible says in Psalm 139, verses 14 through 16. The psalmist says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written." which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Folks, every one of you are handcrafted by God Almighty. So one of the things that makes you valuable today is creativity. The fact that the Creator, the one who made you. But that's not the only thing that makes something valuable. And something else that makes something valuable is possibility. Possibility. In other words, what it can be. Uh, I, I love following sports. And you know, you know that teams, professional teams, they make a large investment oftentimes in potentiality, in possibility. They'll spend a lot of money on, because of what they believe this athlete can become. 
Not necessarily for what they are, but they see something in them. And they think, you know what? This is worth an investment. This is worth millions of dollars of an investment. Not because of who they are right now, but who, because of who we believe and what we believe they can become. Do you know that there's a great possibility in your life today? There's a great possibility of what God can do in your life if you would just let Him. The possibility, the, the potentiality of what God could do. The Bible says that we, once we trust Christ as our Savior, the Bible says that we're predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. Man, so you talk about what we can become. I'm glad, much like, much like Michelangelo, Michelangelo, going back to the, uh, to the, to the, the art example, I think of uh, the, 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 uh, he, he carved a beautiful angel out of marble. And he, he looked at that marble, and he looked at just this solid raw block, and he says, there's an angel in that block of marble, and I intend to set him free. There's an angel in that block of marble, and I intend to set him free. You know what God sees when He looks at you? He sees not only, He loves you for who you are, but I want to tell you something else. He loves you, and what makes you valuable is not only because of who you are, but it's because of what you can be, what you can accomplish, the man, the woman that God can make you for His glory and honor, the influence you can have for His glory. So there's creativity that makes something valuable. There's possibility that makes something valuable. There's also durability. Durability. Some things cost a lot because they last a long time. Now listen, I'm an off-brand buying kind of guy a lot of times. If I can buy off-brand, I'm going to buy off-brand. But did you know that there's some things that are, uh, they've got a name because they last. It's something that's going to last a while. You want to know something about your soul? You will live for all eternity. You will never cease to exist. You think about the breath of God. God. The Bible says that God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. I mean, listen, the breath of God will never die. And mankind will continue on. You will continue on forever. Now, there's two places in eternity. There's heaven and there's hell but there's one thing about your soul, it's durable. It will never cease to exist. It'll last longer than anything you've ever known. So the possibility, the durability, I want to say this, the rarity, the rarity. Now I know this could almost sound cliche and it could just sound like something off of a, of a silly poster or a, a kid's motivational show, but I'm telling you the truth. What makes something, another thing that makes something valuable is its rarity. You are unique. There is literally no one else like you in the whole world. And for some of you, I'm really glad for that. Uh, <laughs> but we're rare. There's no one like you. No one else like you. Uh, Anytime somebody says and uses the terminology, people like me, I just got to stop them and say, well, then, <laughs> there's not people like you. You're one of a kind. You're unique. You've been made in a way, you've been created in a way that nobody else has. God does not make copies. Uh, you say, what about twins? Well, there, there are none, none, uh, no twins that are truly identical, right? Everyone's different. Everyone's rare. And then lastly, and this might be the most important one of the things that makes something uh, valuable, and that's desirability. 
Now we know this when we've said it before. What makes something valuable? What, when an appraiser is looking at something today, if your house were to be appraised today, or your vehicle or some, uh, some rare possession you had were to be appraised, what would be the value of that house? What would that house be worth? It would be worth what someone's willing to pay for it. That's basically what appraisal is. What is someone willing to pay for it right now? Appraisal. Uh, and so desirability. How much is someone willing to pay? <laughs> oh, my friend, let me tell you something. If you don't hear anything else I say, you hear this. You are valuable today. The value of one, you are valuable today if for no other reason. Because you may be sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm unique, but I would rather not be. I'd rather be like someone else. You may, you, you may think, well, I, I, my soul is durable and it'll live on forever, but that doesn't, make me, uh, doesn't bring me all that much comfort. You may be even be willing to acknowledge that you were created by God. You may be able to acknowledge today that not only were you created by God, you may be able to be willing to acknowledge, yeah, I suppose there's possibility and potentiality in my life. But if you don't hear anything else, you hear this that makes you valuable above all, that's what someone was willing to pay for your soul. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, the Bible says, You were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but listen to this, with the precious blood of Christ. God looked down at your soul, and He looked down at my soul, and He said, There's only one thing that will purchase that soul. There's only one price that to be paid that will cause that soul to be able to come into eternity with me, and that's my, the blood of my only dear Son. And folks, that's a price that Jesus was willing to pay for you. Now, I know we often say it, and it's very true. Just as the Bible says in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the way the world is right there, it doesn't just mean that God just died for a collective group of people. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for you as an individual. And I want you to understand something today. Had you been the only person, Jesus still would have paid the price for your soul. So if you ever think that you're not valuable, if you ever think that you have something else more valuable, the fact that Jesus Christ said, I want to purchase them, I want to pay the penalty for their sin, that makes us very, uh, very valuable today. So it's a fabulous treasure, our soul. But folks, it is a great treasure. But not only is there a treasure, and I just got to say, it blesses my heart today to know that Jesus loved me that much. Can I just say this word to you before I move on, talking about value? There's a lot. Do you know there's a lot of people that are throwing their lives away? Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's people that are throwing their souls away, as it were. Selling out their souls for sinful pleasures. For false religion, for all kinds of things. People throwing away the most valuable things. As a matter of fact, that's always been one of the most heartbreaking things, I think, since I became a Christian... 
when I see people around me that are living lives, that I know they're living lives in the bondage of sin, and they're miserable, and they're not experiencing the joy and the fulfillment of the Lord, they're in bondage, man. It's like they're in chains and enslaved by sin. They believe they're free. They believe, oh, I'm just living the life I want to live. I'm just making my own choices. But unfortunately, those choices seem to be taking them down, down, down. And you can see the effects upon their lives. And I've seen it in my family so many times. And I just, if I could, I just would want to grab them and shake them and say, there's so much more to life than what you're living. But here's, here's what I would say if there's anyone here that's throwing their life away, throwing their soul away. Imagine today that you had something that you cared nothing about. Listen to me. You had something you cared nothing about that maybe you haven't thrown it away yet, but you, you, you just don't care about it. You were willing today if you thought about it. Yeah, if I come home, I could throw that away, throw it in the dumpster, it get hauled off, and me never think about it again. Well, if you have something like that today, what if I told you I was willing to buy it? Would you be willing to sell that to me? Would you be willing to even give that to me? Well, here's what I want to tell you today. You may be throwing your life away, throwing your soul away, but if you're just going to throw it away anyway, why don't you give it to Jesus? Why don't you say, Jesus, here it is, because let me tell you something. It may not be very valuable to you, but it's valuable to the Lord. You are valuable to the Lord. Your life, your, your present, your future are all valuable to the Lord. So we see an absolute fabulous, wonderful treasure that is your soul. But notice quickly, a foolish transaction. Jesus is asking some questions here about the soul. He's asking some questions. He said, what should, would a man give in exchange for his soul? If he shall gain the whole world. Here's one reason it's a foolish transaction. Number one, no one has ever really gained the whole world when they've tried to throw their lives away. That's really a lie, isn't it? Now, people may actually gain a lot, but they usually are losing a lot in the process. But no one has ever really gained the whole world. Number two, if you could gain the world, and whatever you do gain from the world, you can't keep. You can't keep it. I mean, listen, the soul is the only part of you that will live forever. And people will give their souls for the world, but they don't really gain the whole world. Whatever people do gain, they can't keep. See, we've got to learn to do some evaluating ourselves on things that matter and things that don't. Things that are of value and things that are not. And we've got to understand that the things of this world will not last. Your body will die and be buried one day. Everything we have will be gone one day, but your soul will live forever. So it's a foolish transaction to exchange your soul for the world that really you don't get. And even whatever you do get, you can't keep it. But you're going to give away your, your never-dying soul for something temporal. Number three, I'll say this about a foolish transaction. If you could gain the world, if you could gain the world, you wouldn't be able to keep it. And here's why. It would never satisfy you. And this is something, man, I want people to understand. How often do you and I talk to people about accepting Jesus Christ and having a personal relationship with Him? And they, without knowing it, change the subject. Because they say, I've tried religion. 
I've tried religion. But we're not talking about religion today. I'm talking about a Savior. I'm talking about knowing Christ. See, mankind was not made for religion, although mankind is hopelessly religious. Even those who would want themselves, would love to classify themselves as atheists, they just can't help themselves. They're hopelessly religious. You said, how so? Well, they proclaim themselves to be God, in essence. Or their knowledge to be God. There's always something that mankind falls into worshiping. Mankind is hopelessly religious, but here's the point. Mankind was not made for religion. Mankind was made for God. You were created with a a, a need for God. Listen, the birds were created for the air to fly. Fish were created for the sea. You take a fish out of the sea and put it up in a tree. I wish I could keep going because it feels like I'm getting poetic here. But I think that's my last rhyme. But it's going to be very unhappy. Amen. It's not going to be very happy in the tree. The fish isn't. Uh, and, the, and the bird isn't going to be. We know there's birds that go in the water, but they don't stay down there for long before they're coming back out. They're not made for that. And I'm telling you, as a human being, as a soul, which is just who you are, you will never truly be satisfied until you know God. Until you know Jesus as your Savior. I've tried religion. Okay? We're talking about two different things here. I'll talk to people. Hey, have you accepted Christ? Do you know the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with Him? Oh, yeah, I've been baptized. It's funny, isn't it, how those things go sometimes? It's like me asking you, hey, so what'd you do this weekend? Oh, great, about five o'clock. That's how my conversations seem to go with me when it comes to spiritual matters. Do you know Christ as Savior? Oh, I was raised in the church. Okay. Uh, Oh, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I'm Lutheran, I'm Methodist, I'm whatever. Uh, okay, uh, but, but, but do you know Christ is your Savior? You were not created to be religious. You were created to know God. And that's the wonderful thing, man. I'm glad today that I know Him. Don't, aren't you, anybody? Amen. I'm glad I know Him today. I'm glad that I, I, that I have found what the world is looking for in a relationship with Christ. Folks, listen to me. Pleasure cannot satisfy for very long. Possessions cannot satisfy for very long. Philosophy cannot satisfy. Religion cannot satisfy. The Bible says in Acts 17, verse 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being. Now here's one of the reasons. I'll give you a couple of things here. A foolish transaction. No one can ever really gain the world. Whatever you gain, you can't keep. Here's the sad thing about the loss. It's an irreversible irreversible loss. In other words, in eternity it's too late. The Bible says the soul that sinneth it shall die. He said, preacher, I thought you said the soul is going to live on forever. It will. But death doesn't only picture what we think of death. All death really is, by the way, is the separation from the the, the soul and the body being separated. That's what death is. Death is separation. So the soul, the, the death of a soul doesn't mean that it ceased to exist. It just means that it's separated from the life of God in eternity. So, it's an irreversible loss. After, listen, if you wait 
till it's too late, it's too late. It's an irreversible loss. It's an immeasurable loss. To lose something of such great value, it's an immeasurable loss. It's an irreplaceable loss. It's an irreplaceable loss. I remember when I first got married, I've got a, I've got a, a, a weakness for sweets. I don't know if anybody else does. I've got a weakness for sweets, candies, cookies, and things like that. And uh, I remember when we first got married, my wife got this recipe for a carrot cake. And I'm sorry to tell you, but it's better than yours, okay? Uh, but it's so good. Uh, now, we're going to get an argument after church, aren't we? especially with it being Thanksgiving week. But uh, uh, I, there, there was a lot that went into that cake. Uh, and, and, and can you imagine, uh, can you imagine a scenario of a, of, of, of a wife that, that made her husband just a, a cake like that, made carrot cake? And I can remember I'd get home from work sometimes and uh, just out of the blue. And by the way, we, we quit trying to do this stuff. I, you know the best way I know to get sweets out of my house? I got a problem. Number one, I don't want them in there. So I try not to buy them. I try not to have them. Because the only thing I know to do, the best solution, anybody know what the best solution is for me? Eat them up right now. Get me, a, get me a gallon of milk and a cold glass and leave me alone. I'll, I'll have it taken care of in a little while. But I heard about a man that came home and his wife had made him a, a carrot cake. I mean, just from scratch, all the work that went into that. I mean, the, 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 the frosting, the, the whole thing. I mean, man, I'm getting hungry, all right? There's some pies back there, by the way, that need to be eaten. But... Uh, he comes home from work, and, and, and the wife's just, she could tell that she's upset, and she's crying. He said, what's wrong? She said, I spent all day making you this carrot cake, and our dog jumped up on the table, knocked it over, and ate it. He said, oh, honey, honey, it's, it's fine, it's okay. He said, we, the dog can be replaced. The dog can always be replaced. Um... The point is, is there's a lot of things that we can lose that can be replaced. But your soul can't be replaced. Your soul, can, it's an irreplaceable loss. And by the way, let me tell you something else. It's an inexcusable loss. Inexcusable loss. Now, today, I'm walking out of camera, Nathan. Today, Natalie, if I could, and I, wanna, I want y'all to think about this too. I would get a show of hands. But how many of you, if I were to give you just a million dollars, if you would let me chop off your pinky? I wonder how many people would do that. Cyrus, all right. Uh, I feel greedy and bad uh, that I would actually do that. I promise you I would. Uh, but I'm just being honest. But now, but let's bring it just on a larger scale, because a million dollars is a lot of money. But the million dollars, a million dollars isn't the world. What if you were promised the world... If we just said, okay, you can have the world and everything in it if you just allow me to chop off your right arm. Now, there, we may have a few drop out on that one, but there may, be enough, there may be a few that are thinking, well, do I really need an arm? I mean, I got, got two, you know. But let's just keep going. What, what if, what if you could have everything in this world, cut off an arm, and take your eyes? Remove your eyes as well. I mean, you see, the point that I'm trying to make is if you keep going, after a while, you kind of start counting the cost. And you kind of start thinking, what good would all that be if I couldn't see it? If I couldn't hear it? If I couldn't really enjoy it? 
It would be foolish to do that. But what I'm saying is, there's people today that are throwing away far more for far less. Just one little sinful pleasure. One little crutch in your life. And there's people that will choose that over their soul. Selling out for the silliest sinful pleasures. Silliest temporal pleasures. It's an inexcusable loss. Then I want to say lastly, it's a fatal tragedy. It's a fatal tragedy. What shall it profit a man, Jesus said, if, if thou shalt gain the whole world? If a man shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh, my friend, just imagine that. I heard years ago of a man back, uh, he was coming from the old country to America. He was coming over on a steamer, I mean, you know, uh, a number of years ago. And someone told him that the best way and the easiest way to consolidate your wealth and come to America was to consolidate, get everything you can, and purchase diamonds. And so he, he sold everything he had and, and basically bought a diamond. That way he could come over on the steamer. He could have this, uh, this diamond on him, get to America. You sell it, and then all of a sudden you've got your wealth back. It was just the easy way. Well, one day that man was, was, was cruising over on the ship, and he happened to be sitting around some people. And, and you know people like this. He just kind of thought, hmm. So he took that diamond out and was kind of polishing it up a little bit. He was trying to get a reaction from people around him. And he did get a reaction. Oh, wow, that is a beautiful diamond you got there. Yeah, isn't it? And so the man then all of a sudden he kind of tosses it up in the air. They're out there on the deck of the ship, you know. And people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's getting all this attention. Boy, this guy must be really something out there and he's beginning to goof around with this this basically all of his possessions are right here well he enjoyed that that the, the attention that he got so the next day he comes out on the deck again then here's all the other people out on that deck and well this time he just comes walking down and just tossing that diamond up in the air just showing off and of course people are reacting and gasping and ooing and eyeing and pretty soon that 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 boat hits enough of a wave to where he loses his balance bounces off his hand and down into the sea it goes that's a pretty dumb thing to do isn't it but my thing is, there's a lot of people that just play fast and loose with their souls, amen? That would be foolish, but again, I just want to emphasize that there's nothing more valuable today than your soul. People, there, I know people who have not yet accepted Christ as their Savior, or they're not sure that they have. And rather than making sure today, or rather than making sure and saying, you know what, I need the Lord, I, 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 you know, I have tried religion, and I am a religious person. But I do realize today that religion's not what it's about. I do want to have a relationship with Christ. But there's, there's some people that'll toy around and say, you know what, I believe next week I'm going to come back and I'm going to accept the Lord next week. But I'm telling you, it's a dangerous game. You're toying around with your soul. It's a fatal, fatal tragedy. It's a fatal, fatal tragedy. And as we all stand today, I'm going to give you a closing illustration A chess master, he was a very good chess player who was also an artist, and he painted a, uh, he, he, he had a painting, it actually hung in the Louvre 
uh, Museum in Paris for some time, uh, Frederick uh, Mor- uh, Moritz, I'm sorry, it goes Frederick Moritz August Reitz was his name, but he painted a picture of two chess players. The one on the one side was supposed to depict Satan, and on the other side was just a man. Satan is appearing very confident. The other player is a man who looks defeated. And the the intriguing thing about the, the painting was, if you looked at the chess pieces, the man had done it in a way to where Satan had this man in a checkmate. In other words, the man was defeated. Satan had him defeated. And for years... This painting hung in the Louvre. But one day there was a man who came along. There was a a chess grandmaster who came along and began to study and to stare and to look at this famous piece. And the more he began to look at it, and I had his name in here somewhere, but the more he began to look at this painting... He was, remember, he was like a, a grandmaster type dude. He uh, was a master at chess. He began to look, and he's just staring and staring at this painting. And he's looking, and he's, he's going through the different moves that could be made. And the name of the painting is Checkmate. You can look it up. Checkmate was what it was titled. But here's the cool thing. The more he studied it, he began to look at it and see something. And he hollered out, he can win. And he looked and there was one counter move that the man could make that would put the devil in checkmate. And the man would win. There was one move left. One move left. And you know, there's a lot of people today, you can begin to play Barb, there's a lot of people today that feel as if they're defeated. They feel as if it's too late. But I got really good news for you today. There's one more move. You got one move left. What is that? To by faith, humble yourself and accept Christ today. There's one move. Hey, child of God, you may have gotten yourself in a place to where you feel that Satan's got you in a checkmate. But I can promise you one thing. If you're still living and breathing, there's one more move left. Will you make it today? Will you make it, child of God? I'll explain what I'm talking about here as we close. See, the Bible says that we were all born into this world as sinners. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. From the best to the worst, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, every one of us. Now, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That means that When we sin, when you work, you earn a wage. You earn something. But because of our sin, we've earned death. I told you earlier, that's separation. It's separation from God in our spirit. It's it's physical death as we think about it. But it's ultimately spiritual eternal death. Separated from God from all eternity, which is what's called the lake of fire. In a place called the lake of fire. The wages of sin is death. But the good, good news is this. That's not the end of the verse. The Bible goes on to say in Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Do you know what Jesus was doing when he was dying on the cross, paying the, the penalty for your soul? Paying because you mean so much to him. He loves you so very much. He was purchasing a gift of salvation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says this in Romans 10 verse 9, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you know the difference between the religion and the relationship I was talking about earlier is about 18 inches? It's from here to here. It's from what you know to who you actually really know. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. The devils believe in God and tremble, folks. It's not an acknowledgement of God's existence or even of His birth, death, burial, or resurrection. But it's from the heart when we recognize why Jesus went to the cross. He went for me because of my sin. He went because that's the only way that I could be saved. He paid the price. He purchased the gift. And now your one move is this. Receive that gift. How do I do that? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> you say, what do you mean? If you'll change your mind, which is repentance, change your mind about your sin, change your mind about what you've thought up to this point and say, you know what, Lord? I turn to you today. I believe that you've paid it all for me. That's what she's playing today. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. He paid it all. And you must just simply receive him by faith. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I wonder right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, right before we dismiss, maybe you would want to call on the Lord. Maybe you would want to receive that gift of salvation. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is He knocking at your heart today? Is He speaking to your heart and soul? If so, let me tell you all you must do. From your heart, just cry out and say, Dear Lord Jesus, will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. And Lord, I pray that you'll forgive me of my sins. And come into my heart and life and be my Lord. I want to follow you and be my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you for the great price that you paid. And if you could pray a prayer like that from your heart today, do you know that Jesus can save you? What about you today? The value of one. How much does one matter? Look at the cross, amen? You ever feel worthless? Look at the cross. You're not. You're not. Why don't we sing a stanza of that song before we're dismissed?